New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. There is a Native American concept of a seemingly malignant spirit called Wetiko, and it's known by many other names in many other traditions. It's a psychological force within the unconscious mind that predisposes us toward unwholesome impulses such as the thirst for power and control, greed and jealousy. It can manifest itself in selfishness and a lack of empathy. And in a materialistic culture such as the U.S., where there is a deep denial of the non-local quality of consciousness, we often get blindsided by it. It feeds off of polarization, fear, and terror of others. It cripples our evolutionary potential and has a vampire-like spirit that will take energy for its own profit without giving anything of value back. It's like a collective nightmare whose roots are found in the human psyche. The good news is that the cure is also found within us, and this is the topic that we'll be exploring today with our guest, Paul Levy. Paul Levy is a pioneer in the field of spiritual emergence and is also a certified art teacher, teaching both painting and drawing for a handful of years to people of all ages. He considers himself a wounded healer and is in private practice assisting others who are also awakening to the dreamlike nature of reality. He has been a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner for more than 35 years and is the founder of the Awakening in the Dream community in Portland, Oregon. Along with these activities, he's deeply steeped in the work of C.G. Young. He's the author of several books, including Wetiko, Healing the Mind Virus That Plagues Our World. Join us for the next hour as we explore the soul sickness that threatens the human adventure and its remedy with our guest, Paul Levy. I'm speaking with Paul in his home by remote connection. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Paul, welcome. Hi. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here, really. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure, my pleasure, totally. Um, I feel we first need to talk about how you discovered this uh, malevolent 
energetic. It was about an intense trauma that you had in your life when you were experiencing a spiritual awakening and that was misdiagnosed and caused you to be hospitalized a number of times and suffering from a psychotic break from reality, as at least psychiatrists were treating you in that way. And I'd love for you to um, describe this turning point in your life and how you were able to find what was truly ailing you. Yeah, for sure. And it, it actually started a few years before the spiritual awakening because the trauma, you know, I, without going into the story, I'm an only child and my father just, you know, like like any ordinary person, he wasn't dealing with his own shadow, his own unhealed abuse. So he just acted it out and I was the recipient and it created enormous suffering for me. We're talking, I was in my early 20s. And um, it was right when I was starting to individuate. So all of a sudden, I went from being a really accomplished kid, you know, very good at school, lots of friends, to all of a sudden, I wasn't able to live my life. And the suffering was so overwhelming, the only thing I could figure out to do that, that helped in any way was to go inwards and just to assume the position of the witness. And I did that, you know, hours and hours a day, and I began studying spirituality and and then within a couple of years, I got hit by a bolt of lightning. One day when I was sitting in meditation, it just ignited in my brain. And within hours, I went into an incredibly extreme altered state in which that's when I was beginning to awaken. And I was realizing, oh my God, we're having a collective dream that we're each dream characters and each other's dreams were not separate. And I was realizing, oh, my God, we can wake up in the dream. We can help each other to wake up in the dream together. And I was so excited at what I was realizing. Keep in mind, I was 24. That was over 40 years ago. That from my friend's point of view, it was like I had this radical personality change overnight. So they didn't know anything other than to they brought me, you know, I was brought by ambulance to my first psych hospital. And for that next couple of years, I was probably four or five times I was thrown in psychiatric hospitals. And every time I was misdiagnosed as, oh, you have a mental illness. You know, they had just um, come out with the DSM-3 the year before, which announced the chemical imbalance discovery. So every single one was diagnosing me with this uh, chemical imbalance. They were guaranteeing I would need to be on medication the rest of my life. And the whole while, I never bought into it for one second, because from inside of my own mind, I knew I was having an awakening, you know, and that's what saved me, because basically my entire universe was reflecting back that I was in denial of this mental illness. And I was just thinking, God, they have no idea what they're talking about. But it was an unbelievable ordeal, because then in, in you know, on top of having the trauma from my father that he played out, then... I could not believe the insanity of the psychiatric system and the abuse that they were enacting. Just one example, they all they knew to do was pathologize because I was seemingly having this aberrant behavior that wasn't supposedly normal. And as soon as they started to pathologize me and being so open and in a vulnerable state of spiritually awakening to who we all are, you know, you then get sickened when people are throwing negative projections on you combined with medication that's aborting your spiritual awakening. So as they were pathologizing me, I became sicker and sicker. And then the sicker I got, the more that confirmed to them the accuracy of their diagnosis in a feedback loop 
that it almost killed me. And then when I got out of the last hospital in 82, you know, for a long time, well, not for a long time, for a year or two, I was thinking, well, I, I really screwed that up. How did that happen? I blew it. And then I began to realize, no, that was part of the awakening. That was a descent into Hades, into the shamanic underworld. And so I was very fortunate and very quickly I was able to get myself off of the psychiatric meds that I was supposed to be on the rest of my life. And for the next over 10 years, I was going to therapy and connecting with my dreams and making art and studying young and shamanism and alchemy and anything that was alleviating, you know, the over-the-top suffering that I was now experiencing both from the trauma with my father and um, from psychiatry. And then, you know, in probably the early to mid-90s, that's when I realized, well, I'm integrated enough. You know, I'm still a work in progress. I'm certainly not any, any you know, awakened person. But I had, you know, gotten some form of gift from going through that ordeal. And that's really the archetype of whether you call it the, the wounded healer or the shaman. And not that I'm a shaman, but that archetype, the shamanic archetype was activated in me and that's the main that's the main archetype that's activated in our species is the shamanic archetype and so that's when i began to teach and from that point on i haven't had to do anything else so did you discover at this point because your book is called watiko this native american term watiko which is used in many many other traditions not that term but the the description of what that is did you discover that inside you yeah, had yeah. been invaded somehow with this virus my experience with the abuse from my father, in essence, was that my boundaries had been so violated, and it was like my my vessel, think of like a glass vase, it had shattered, and something penetrated me, something evil and dark that didn't have my best interest, that didn't exist before the abuse. And it was wanting to make me its host. It was wanting to take me over and to kill me. That was clear, and that was 24-7 experience. That wasn't a subtle experience. And, and I had, I didn't understand what it was. I hadn't found the name Watiko. And then with psychiatry, I began to, to recognize, wait a second, it's the same evil force. But now instead of coming through my father, it was coming through in a non-local way, the entire psychiatric system. That's when I began to recognize, wow, there's this malevolent force that exists in potential in the field, in the non-local field, in the collective unconscious of our species, in all of us in potential, and within my own mind. And that's when I began to connect the dots and draw maps and begin to actually more and more understand what my new book is about. But the key thing is, is that I, I, I recognized encoded in the pathology is its own vaccine, that it's actually helping us. But if we don't have the recognition of what it's showing us, it just is programmed to destroy us. But Paula, it's it's not easy to to recognize it. I mean, you say we recognize it, but we have to recognize it within us, and and somehow it attaches itself to our own shadow and our own denial. Is it, am I getting that correct? Well, be careful because to say it's not easy to recognize your my experience was you just cast a spell, saying you know something like oh it's not easy to awaken. Well, if you hold that viewpoint, you're going to conjure up a universe that's going to give you all the evidence confirming your point of view that it isn't easy to awaken. That's what I mean about, like, you know, a self-created spell. So it's not hard to recognize. It's right in our face, okay? But here's the trick. You know, it's very elusive, and it shapeshifts, 
and it doesn't want you to see it because when you see it, you take away its power and you empower yourself. But here's the thing. The very instrument through which we see it in potential is the psyche, but that's the same medium through which the mind virus operates. So you see, that's why it's, it's not just something you see as an object out there, but it's actually in you. So if we think it exists out there in whoever, and if we think, oh, they're separate from us, that perspective itself is showing that we've fallen under its spell. So in in that way, um, it's living within us. Well, here, let me put it this way. I've been working for the last uh, year uh, with several anti-racism groups. And there are mixed groups. There are mixed uh, people from different ethnicities in the group. And I thought I went into that, oh, I'm not racist, I'm not racist, uh, because I've taught in an all-black school in Alabama, and it shows I'm not racist. But I found that when that I have been swimming in an ocean of privilege, yeah. and that I did have this shadow, and it came, uh, it has come up through our meetings that I realized and start to have to own that, rather than projecting it, saying, "Oh, it's all those other people out there." that are having, you know, bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I want to go into that in just a moment, but I want to remind, first of all, our listeners that I'm here with Paul Levy. He's the author of Watiko, Healing the Mind Virus That Plagues Our World. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website. It's awakeninthedream.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Paul Levy, and he's the author of Watiko, Healing the Mind Virus That Plagues Our World. And we're talking about that. We're talking about, um, I, I gave an example of my own life of where I realized the privilege now that I'm swimming in and what that covered up where I was projecting on others. Oh, it's not me. It's all of you out there. So what would you say about Watiko and how it works within us in that particular yeah, way. For sure. No, totally. Well, Watiko, it's this um, blindness. It's a mind blindness. It's a very peculiar form of mind blindness that believes not only that it's sighted, but it believes it's more sighted than people who actually have sight. So it works through 
the blind spots of the unconscious through the projective tendencies of the mind, because we're always we're all projecting and you know on the ink blot of this world. So it works through the projective tendencies of the mind in such a way that we entrance ourselves via our own creative genius. And because it has no creativity at all, Watiko, but it's a master impersonator. The apocryphal text talks about Watiko. It calls it the counterfeiting spirit. You see, it can't have any power over us, our true nature at all. It's powerless to control us. So it creates a simulation of us. It impersonates, oh, you're limited and wounded. And then it offers us that version of ourselves. As soon as we identify with Watiko's version of ourselves, it has us. Then it can manipulate us and control us. But it can't touch us as long as we remember who we actually are. And if you think about what I just described, you see, the thing about Watiko, it can't steal our soul, but it tricks us into giving it away. And as soon as we we give away our, our sense of identity to, to Watiko, then we identify with who we're not. Simultaneously, we disconnect from our creative agency. That's a recipe for madness. That's Watiko. And Watiko is a collective psychosis. It's what it's what's at the bottom of the madness that we're playing out. And the origin of it is to be found within the psyche. You know, Paul, I'm I'm thinking all the um in recent years and the last decade or so, there are so many movies and TV series coming out that, you know, have vampires in it and, and that have, you know, zombies and things. And, you know, I mean, in some ways, it's maybe our creative genius that's trying to say, hey, there, this is this is out there, and you know, I, I, do you feel there's some? Oh yeah, that's exactly it. Pop culture is filled with with zombie films or vampire, you know. Because keep in mind, when we become afflicted with Watiko, which you know, once again, we all have. I mean, who hasn't acted out their unconscious, right? So the idea being, but when we identify with that. And um, then we unwittingly become an instrument for Watiko. Watiko gets in the driver's seat of our vehicle, so to speak. And then there's no creativity programmed in. We're just like an automaton. We're a robot. We're a zombie. Now, Watiko, it's also this, this vampire in that it feeds off of our life force and, you know, to feed itself. One way to think about it, it's like this, this parasite of the mind or like this tapeworm. When a tapeworm gets in our system, it secretes chemicals so that we start craving food that feeds it. And so then when we're like, you know, have this ravenous hunger and we're eating and we think we're feeding ourselves, but we're actually feeding it. And that tapeworm, Watiko, grows bigger and bigger until it kills us. You know, we're the host, but it doesn't want to kill us too soon because then it would suffer the inconvenience of having to find this new host. So what on point, you see, Watiko can't stand to be seen. Because when you see it, you take away its power, like I've been saying, and you empower yourself. My whole work and my new book, what I'm trying to, to show people is how to see Watiko. And, and it's, yeah, it's not the ordinary thing, but it's actually so obvious and simple. This just reminds me, again, um, using fiction and art to, to help us understand this. Um, years ago, I saw, and it stuck in my consciousness, a particular episode of Star Trek. And there was an entity up high in that you could see kind of twirling around the Enterprise. And for some reason, there were um, maybe Klingons on board 
and regular the regular guys that were from Earth and Captain Kirk and everyone. And they were fighting each other. And and as long as they were fighting each other, this entity, you could see it would get bigger and bigger and more energized. They couldn't see it, but they finally figured out what was going on. And then it became very humorous because they decided to just hug one another and be at peace with one another and to put aside any grievance or whatever it was. And the entity just, you know, got smaller and smaller and smaller, and finally it just disappeared. And, and that gave me a visual, I think, of a little bit of what you're talking about. Is that right? Exactly. That's exactly right. Because Watiko, it feeds off of separation and polarization. And just to think about, our world has never been more polarized. You know, it's as if there is some sort of, you see, one way to think about it is that our species has fallen asleep, but it's not just that we've fallen asleep. It's as if there's this, like, this malevolent entity that's invested in keeping us asleep. So as long as we're polarized and we're fighting just like that, that episode that you just described, with the Watiko bug behind the scenes is gorging itself on the, you know, the feet, because as soon as we see through the lens of the separate self and we see somebody else as an other, then fear arises. And as soon as there's fear and we act out of that, that feeds Watiko. As soon as there's, there's otherization, as soon as there's, there's polarization, that's food for Watiko. And that's why when I'm in my book, I talk about when you see somebody, because Watiko can literally take over a person. They can become the embodiment. They can become possessed by it in a given moment or for their whole lives. But the point is when we see somebody who's actually taken over by Watiko, if we then, you see, Watiko is a non-local energy, which means it operates throughout the whole quantum field in which there are no separate parts. What that means is that when we see somebody taken over by Watiko, if we have a reaction, a judgment, and we don't bring consciousness to that, then we become a vector for Watiko through our unconscious reaction as much as the person who might be taken over by it outside of ourselves. That's why I keep on emphasizing when you see somebody taken over by Watiko, you actually can, instead of seeing them as separate and judging them, you can recognize, wait a second, they're a dream character. What a dream character is, they're a reflection of that part of me. They're not separate from that part of me. Then when you actually entertain that viewpoint, you see through the illusion of the separate self. And that's one of the ways of dispelling Watiko. Well, I, I'm thinking, um, like, for example, we, we've seen in the pictures of the January 6th insurrection when the Capitol was attacked. And I watched that, and I had this question, how, how could these people do this? What, what, the word comes to me is, what possessed them to be so radical and to be so angry and to, to, to do so much destruction? But then I started to ask myself, okay, where am I potentially capable of that same act. You know, I, I try to then figure that out, and I've been trying to figure it out all year, Where, it, what in me could be capable of that and why, why it was happening. So can you help flesh that out for me? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's beautiful, you know, that, that 
step you just took where you you saw people outside of yourself acting out something, but then you took the projection back um, in that, oh, wow, how am I capable of doing that? You know, how have I done that in my life? And that's where, you see, when we get triggered, you know, the typical response is, oh, something out there is triggering us. We're reacting in our unconscious and we typically see the problem as outside of ourselves. Oh, they're, you know, they're the problem. If they would stop doing that, I wouldn't be triggered. But when we're triggered by something, that's an incredible opportunity to just immediately put our awareness, to get in the habit of cultivating the practice of putting our awareness back on what inside of us is being triggered. And then all of a sudden, we can expand our consciousness. We can shed light on an unconscious part of ourselves. So then the person who's triggering us, they're actually offering us a gift. And then by expanding our consciousness, seeing our shadow, how, however you would, you would describe it, then we become more integrated, more in touch with our wholeness, and then we're actually more able to be of benefit to the world instead of just reacting to it and adding fuel on the fire. Well, I can remember in my own life, there was a period where I was part of a pretty fundamentalist Christian religion. And I could remember that time when I truly believed this was the way, the truth, and the light. I really believed it. And I would be so excited if uh, someone who professed uh, overtly their Christianity would be in in politics and be um, head of the head of the state of some sort or governor or whatever. And, and then um, I, I met Michael, my late uh, partner, Michael Toms, and uh, he was at that time starting to really get into Buddhism. And I threw that off. It, it took me a while to throw that off and to realize, oh, I could live in a bigger pasture that I wasn't yeah. being inclusive in some right. way. I was being, I was excluding anybody that didn't believe exactly what I believed, and that's part of this whole Watiko is uh, in yeah, my absolutely. understanding. Because Watiko it works, you know. Uh, I, I guess I could say that the way it works is we'll see a particular thing in the world you know, which is just one of the potential ways of seeing, but then we become entranced thinking we're seeing the objective truth and that we're in the possession of the truth. And then we go on a crusade to convert, you know, the people who don't see our way without having the realization that what we're seeing is just one way of seeing what's happening and that there are other ways which are as valid as our way. So, you know, what I'm describing, I'm hoping people are connecting the dots that that's one of the deeper processes that's playing out in our world. People have, you know, a particular viewpoint about whatever, and they're just convinced it's true, whereas so many people have just, you know, whether it's the mainstream media or the alternative media, they've taken in, in their echo chamber, they've taken in a particular viewpoint, and they then become the parrot of it. They haven't done their their due diligence, their research, and, and they're convinced they're actually speaking the truth when actually their discernment has been disabled and they're just a mouthpiece for, you know, the powers that be or the alternative powers or whoever to they're actually just propagating you know, that particular perspective that isn't even their own. And all the while they're thinking it is. I mean, that's a way of getting into the madness, the collective madness that's playing out. Well, yeah. And I, I know for myself, 
it's given me a lot of compassion for people who are in that trance. Uh, I'll, I'll call it a trance because I can remember how I felt. So it gives me a lot of compassion to to want to to talk in a way to people who, that that doesn't put their their guard up and then it's not arguing or trying to convince them but trying to understand and in the way that Michael helped me yeah so we'll talk more about that in just one moment I just want to remind us that we're sitting here with Paul Levy he's the author of Watiko healing the mind virus that plagues our world I'm Justine Willis-Toms you're listening to New Dimensions I'm here with Paul Levy. He is the author of Wittico, Healing the Mind Virus That Plagues Our World. I found something that I kind of listed down, uh, three steps that I'd love for you to talk about. Uh, recognizing the disease, the first step that isn't quite enough, though. The second is an action, like spiritually informed political activism, that might be uh, your phrase, but it might come from uh, Andrew Harvey. I'm not sure. I, well, I, I made it up my own. He made his up, and but we're friends, so we both. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. And the third one was collecting with each other through this shared lucidity. Right. So I'd love for you to talk about those three things, if if I could. Yeah, 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 for sure. So on the one hand is the recognition because the Watiko mind virus, it's this revelation. It's revealing something to us that it's most important for us to know. But if we don't recognize what it's revealing to us, it, it will just destroy us. So that's the first part, but that's not enough. Like you were saying, then there's the sacred activism part to quote Andrew Harvey or the spiritually informed political activism is my phrase. It's the same idea that it's not enough just to sit on your meditation pillow and do mantras and prayers. And I mean, yeah, there are certain exceptional people who are called to be hermetic in that way. But for the majority of us to do that, that's just narcissism. That's just, you know, to be so self-absorbed and not recognize that our inner process is manifesting via the outer world. And that the way to really work on your inner process is to fully participate in what's showing up in your life. So that's the second part. The third part is that when you, you see what Tico, it actually is helping us to wake up. It's helping us to recognize who we are. It's helping us to recognize the dreamlike nature. When we see that, say if I see that in this moment, and you know, it's not hard to see it, but then the practice is how do you stabilize that realization and not forget and not get absorbed back into the forms of the dream. And so when you see it and you stabilize that realization, okay, what have you recognized? Wow, that I'm interdependent with all beings. I'm not separate from other people. We're all interconnected. Well, then what you discover is we can get in sync with each other. We can connect with other beings who are also awakening. And, and we can put what I call our sacred power of dreaming 
which is the part of us that's literally dreaming the dream into materialization moment by moment, we can put that together in a way to change the dream, the waking dream. And that's not magical woo-woo new age thinking. That's what this is all about. And, and that's to realize we are actually being called to consciously participate in our own evolution. And, and Watiko is the actual stimulant for that. It's the inspiration for that. That's what I mean, that it's a quantum phenomenon that encoded in Watiko, it's the greatest poison or it's the most amazing blessing. But it depends if we recognize what it's revealing to us. Well, I'm thinking, uh, as you say that, I'm thinking of all the saints that have been acknowledged through the ages They've all had to come through that dark night of the soul. Their stories is not that they were born enlightened and, and life just went on just great and there was no um, uh, challenge at all. But no, they they had to go down and, and go into that dark night and somehow come out more enlivened and awakened. And that and that's so right on. I mean, and that's the way I've contextualized my experience because I went through the most unbelievable dark night. It, it completely destroyed my family. I haven't had a family for twenty something years. It almost killed me and and almost drove me crazy. I mean, some people did think it drove me crazy, but that's another story. But um, the idea being that, yeah, you're right. You know, so often, if not always, people who have some sort of understanding have had to go through an incredible ordeal. And one of my teachers was here a little while ago, and he actually said, yeah, the great enlightened beings from Tibet, they didn't become enlightened because everything was going great. No, they experienced incredible obstacles, and that obstacles were the catalyst for their realization. And I want to point out, not just individually do we have to go through our own descent, which is really a shamanic descent into the underworld, you know, or this dark night of the soul, but collectively, that's what's happening to us as a species. We are descending into the underworld of the unconscious. We're having this rebirth, this death rebirth experience. We're having to confront the darker forces, and we're having to go through this death experience symbolically. And, um, you know, that's a way for each of us, because it's so easy to feel hopeless and despairing and depressed. When we actually contextualize what we're going through, well, we're actually participating in a cosmic process of incarnation, of waking up. And that, then all of a sudden, instead of pathologizing ourselves or, or getting caught in despair or pessimism, no, it can inspire us. And I wanted to say it can inspire us to connect with our creative spirit. Because that's the real medicine for Watiko, is to connect with our creativity. And I could, I could write a book about that. That's great. That's great. When you talk about the collective, um, I, I want to talk about the coronavirus. You have a couple of chapters about the coronavirus. And so how does that connect uh, yeah, with yeah, yeah. Watiko? Yeah, well, I was just with a friend last night, and, you know, he's very familiar with my work and listens to a lot of my podcasts and stuff, and he was saying, you know, Paul, I wish you would just say that, you know, the global pandemic and COVID and the coronavirus is Watiko. 
you know, and just because I've been saying, oh, what's happening in the global pandemic is a lower level emanation of the higher dimensional mind virus called Watiko. And he was just saying, no, I want you to say it is Watiko. And absolutely, what's happening in the global pandemic, if people want to understand to, you know, to see Watiko, there's a way, and that's what I'm writing about in, in the book, that all that whole last section is about, you know, COVID, that there's a way of seeing what's happening because the, the coronavirus isn't physical. If you think it's just physical, you're, you're, no, you're wrong. I mean, think about how it's, it's impacting every aspect of our lives, our behavior, what we think about, what we dream about, what we wear, how we interact, politics, economics, everything. In other words, this virus has multiple vectors of transmission. It has an emotional vector, a mental vector, a spiritual, a behavioral vector, in addition to the physical vector. When you begin to see it in that way, it helps you to see the mind virus, which is the deadly, the real deadly virus that's afflicting our species. And if you remember, Watiko can't stand to be seen. So there's a way of seeing what's happening in the global pandemic that can actually help us to wake up and help us to recognize Watiko. And when we see Watiko, like I've been saying again and again, we take away its power over us and we empower ourselves because it connects us with our creative agency. Right. You have a quote uh, that I wrote down and it was from psychiatrist uh, Stanislav Grof, right. who has done a lot of work on, on uh, spiritual emergence and that sort of thing. And here's a quote. He says, the global crisis is a psycho-spiritual crisis, a radical psycho-spiritual transformation of humanity is not only possible but it is already underway. Yeah, and I would even add to that, that's so right on, and, and it's even more than already underway. A, temporally speaking, outside of time, it's already happened, okay? And this, what's happening in third dimensional space-time, this in a way you could think of as the medium or the footprints through which we actualize in time this atemporal process where we've already awakened. And what I'm pointing out is when enough of us have that recognition that we are in the process of awakening and we've already awakened and we connect with other people who also have that same realization, that's when all bets are off because that's when we're actually unlocking the creative spirit that is not from our conscious ego. It's something, it's, a, it's the Holy Spirit. It's, the, it's a whole making spirit. It actually brings us to our wholeness. Think about it like this, that humanity is having this disassociative disorder where we're suffering from like multiple personality disorder. We think we're separate from each other. What, what COVID is all about, it's actually helping us to recognize that we're not separate. And if we don't recognize that, then we're continued, we're fated to destroy ourselves. Oh, yeah, you can see that. You can see that physically out in the world. And it reminds me, I need to bring up the other quote that you had in there, and it's, I've read this in other material. It keeps cropping up. And this is the quote from the quantum physicist Max Planck, who said, uh, which I was shocked in the 1930s is when he said this. He said, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative of, from consciousness. We cannot, and this is the key phrase, we cannot get 
behind consciousness. Just think about no. that. I mean, we can get behind, I can get behind my computer, or I could get behind you, or, but mm -hmm. you cannot get behind consciousness. I mean, it's all pervasive. There's no behindness to get to. Everything we talk about, here's going back to the quote, everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as existing postulates consciousness. So yeah. this goes back to what you're talking about, the collective dream that we're all dreaming together. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And that's why, you know, I, I'd written a book right before the new one on quantum physics, because I realized that quantum physics, the, the revelations that quantum physics is offering us are providing us with the cure for Watiko. You know, because quantum physics has empirically proven again and again, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we're having a collective dream. There, you know, that's what it's showing us. And a lot of physicists, they're not trained to understand that. So they don't, you know, I mean, one thing they're all in agreement is that quantum physics is the greatest discovery ever in all of history in the realm of science. But what the controversy is, is what does it mean? And I'm pointing out what it means is that we're having a collective dream, that consciousness is at the bottom of everything, that you can't get behind consciousness. And to, to recognize that, it's it's actually helping us to snap out of the spell we've been under, where we've been entranced by thinking this is an objective world. And being like a dream, as soon as we see this world as objective, this dreamlike world will shapeshift and reflect back, giving us all the evidence confirming our viewpoint that it is objective. So we then even become more fixed in that viewpoint. It's a feedback loop whose origin is our own mind. It's self-replicating. And we've entranced ourselves. And what I've just described, that's Watiko. And I'm talking about when you see through that process, that's when you begin to wake up. Right. Yes, I can see that. There's a collective dream going on. Many, many, many people are dreaming the same dream of being attacked and that there's nothing they can do about it. It's a dream. Well, it's a nightmare that you wake up in despair. You, you have this wonderful part of the book. I love this part where you... You write it as if somebody came to you and gave you a dream, and then you worked with that person over that dream. And I, I love that because it gave flesh, so to speak, to, to my dreams when I wake up and I feel like, oh, that was a difficult dream because I, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't do anything about it. But please hold that thought because I want to hear what you have to say. But we, we're taking a break. I'm here with Paul Levy, and he's the author of Wetiko, Healing the Mind Virus That Plagues Our World. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and you are listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Paul Levy, the author of Wetiko, and I was just mentioning about the collective dream and how you had that of interpreting the dream. Yeah, for sure. What I what I do, I have a chapter where I, I say, say somebody comes into my office and they share a dream and how would I work with the dream and what if the dream were what's happening in our world? There's COVID and the coronavirus and the lockdown and maybe creeping totalitarianism and all those things. How would we interpret that dream? And what I'm pointing out is that, well, if it were my dream, I would get in touch with, wow, I feel like I'm powerless and helpless and these seeming outer, the powers that be, you know, they're like, they've taken my own power and, you know, and, uh, you know, my own freedom is being limited. And I would point out, well, when you really trace that back as if that were a person's dream, it's clearly showing that you're not in touch with your true creative power. Because when we're not in touch with our true creative power, what happens? That unconscious creative power, we split, we're split off from it. It gets projected outside and external forces, i.e. the state, are more than happy to pick it up. And so that's pointing at that the way to heal that dream is for each one of us to get in touch with our own creative agency. And the other part is that I'm trying to point out that like an incredible way of, of navigating life is to interpret our life symbolically like a dream because symbols are the language of dreaming and you know and that unlocks our creativity instead of understanding things in this literal way no when you recognize that this universe is an oracle that's speaking symbolically that's this revelation that's unfolding each and every moment and and like if you like when you have a dream and if you don't get the message of the dream what happens it becomes a recurring dream again and again, and it gets more and more amplified until you finally get the message. That's what I'm trying to, to offer to people. Beautiful, beautiful. When you talk about symbols and oracles, one of the chapters in your book, and oh, Paul, I just love this chapter. I'm so on board with it. It's called Artists as molders of the collective unconscious. And and you quote Allen Ginsberg, which I just love, the uh, beat poet, I'll, I'll say, and he has been on New Dimensions. We have a program with him. But he said, the warfare is psychic now. Whoever controls the language and images controls the race. And I love that because um, he's talking about the images and how art and our artistry and our creativity speaks to a different part of us is what I believe. Can you expand on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in my book and in all of my books, I talk about that the figure of the artist is going to be the figure who heals the world. And because the artists, they're plugged in um, to the collective unconscious. So they, they're like the canary in the coal mines that really start to, you know, to cognize there is something that's happening deep in the unconscious of our species, and they're able to symbolize it in whatever form and, you know, to give it form, to capture it and to express it creatively. And by doing that, that can actually speak because it goes around the conscious mind. It's coming directly from the unconscious. And that can, in a viral way, speak to other people's unconscious and go viral and activate other people's realization. Because encoded in, if it's a real work of art, encoded in that artifact, in their work of art, is this energy which contains the very, that realization that the artist was trying to creatively express. 
And when other people are open to that, it, it like a transmission, it activates that same realization in the other person. And then that can go viral in a way. That's what I'm trying to do with the whole Watiko idea, because, you know, it's not just an idea, it's a living idea. And to quote, to quote Jung, he says, in times of collective psychosis, the only thing that will save us are new symbolic ideas. And that's exactly what Watiko is. And and that's in a way sort of crafting something or creatively expressing something like an artist. And we're all artists. Don't think of it like flatland, like painting or drawing. And if I don't do that, I'm not an artist. No, every moment of our lives, we're creatively, we are create, we're creating our experience right now. We're creating our experience by how we interpret this world, by the meaning we place on it. We're creating our experience of ourselves and of the universe. So we all are. That's our nature. You see, when you have the recognition of your nature, of our wholeness, you recognize that our nature is creative by its nature. And the more you you recognize your nature, the more you express yourselves creatively as a result. And the more you express yourselves creatively the more you know your nature. It becomes a positive feedback loop in which you're creating light. That's what, that's the way out. It's like the solution to our world crises or multiple world crises. We already have it, but we just don't know it. That's what I'm trying to point out. I'm reminded as you say that, I'm reminded of a book by Rutger uh, Bregman um, called Humankind uh, Hopeful History. He's a Danish historian and um, he brings up in that book the idea, you know, some of us had to read Lord of the Flies when we were in high school, let's say, and that was that was the common thought that human nature is is greedy and and wants to take power and all of that. And he looked and looked to find uh, if this was really true, and he found an actual thing that happened, and it uh, some Tonga that that's a uh, South Pacific island. Some kids, young people, um, uh, left the island because they were protesting something, and they got in a storm, and they got shipwrecked on another island and no one knew where they were and they were they were on that other island just the the six boys for 14 15 months 15 months they were on that island and they learned that they depended on each other they had to put their petty grievances you know aside and they cooperated and it wasn't like the lord of the flies at all and I just, I love that example because it shows how we can, uh, here's what we need to do is that kind of cooperation and collaboration and, and helpfulness to one another. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's why in my work, I talk about that, the, you know, the real medicine for Watiko. I mean, it's, it's to remember who we are. It's to express ourselves creatively. And it's the type to see the, the dreamlike nature you know, but another way of saying it is to connect with real compassion, because compassion is our nature, you know. Well, I'm wondering about your your circles that you do, Awaken the Dream uh, group that you do in Portland. Can you say something about that and how that works? Yeah, so I, I have a community that's formed around me for over 25 years, and, you know, there are these, these circles um, of people who are awakening to the dreamlike nature. 
And, you know, there are some people who've been in the groups over 20 years, some groups, the average tenure might be 13 years, each person, and they're weekly groups. And, you know, almost everyone, they're all healers and shamans. And I'm just, even though, yeah, I get paid for it and I'm the visionary and I'm they're in my house before the lockdown, but I'm just one of the group members. So I'll, I'll get triggered and I'll play out my unconscious or, and then other people will pick up the role of facilitator. It's just a role. So the idea is, is that it's not hierarchical, but it's a real circle, you know? And, um, and I'm trying to, you know, and it's a way it's, it's this living example of how we can come together in real community, like the, like the Sangha of the Buddha, the real spiritual community in a way that actually helps us to deepen our lucidity. And I'm really trying to get that out to the world. And now I have an international group that started, but it's available to all of us. And, and, you know, in a way, it's a, it's a reflection of what's available to us as a species when we recognize that we're not separate and that each moment we're dreaming up what's happening and whatever somebody is acting out, they're reflecting that part of us. That all of a sudden cuts through the ego, that dispels Watiko, and that enlivens compassion because compassion arises when you recognize we're not separate, when you recognize our interdependence. And that's the, that's the medicine for this mind virus. I would think that um, coming together like that, because we are barraged by the enormity of the challenges we're facing these days, and we've mentioned a few of them on the program already, and we know them, and we feel overwhelmed, like, well, what is this little person, just me? What am, how am I able to make a difference? And I was thinking, these groups would really lend support to people, you know, doing whatever they can do that's close to them. They don't have to go out and save the whole planet, but they can look in their neighborhood or whatever it is that they're doing and get creative. And th this helps helps to spur that creativity, I would think. Right. Well, that's part of the spell is to think that we're powerless and helpless, you know, and um, the point is each one of us has enormous, unimaginably vast creative power. So for each of us just to really be present in our lives and deal with whatever is in our face, whether it to look at our shadow or we're having a conflict in our relationship or, oh, no, I'm creating a work of art, whatever that we're asked to do. If we have the courage to really, you know, to step into that calling and to honor our vocation and our inner guidance, that energetically in a non-local way has an enormous impact on the non-local field. Us doing that, we might, we're actually making it easier for other people to do it because we're not separate. Oh, that's, that's so beautifully put, so beautifully put. You're really sparking the creative imagination for us to hold what you would, you would call a meta perspective. So, uh, Paul, I want to thank you so much for being with us today and helping to just dissect this a bit and really bring it to consciousness so we can see it more clearly. I've been speaking with Paul Levy, and he is the author of Wetiko, Healing the Mind Virus That Plagues Our World. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, awakeninthedream.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. 
This is program number 3748. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.